0: This is a podcast from TheBuglePodcast.com The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 212 of The Bugle for the week beginning Monday, the 5th of November 2012, the final Bugle of the Obama era, stroke the final bugle of the first of Barack Obama's five terms as president, stroke the final bugle of the beginning of the end of time, stroke the final bugle before new President Mitt Romney has John Oliver rounded up, impounded, and executed as an enemy of the states, deletes according to the verdict of history. Um, either now, either next week, or to be on the safe side, in 100 years' time. That's really when you know for sure about history, although to, it is a fair bet to have. Adolf Hitler down as a major tit. I am Andy Zaltzman and I'm in London where there has been a bit of light drizzle this week, which was quite annoying because I was out without a coat and I got slightly damp. And in Stormageddonsville, USA, it's
1: John, the Hurricane Tamer, Oliver. <laughs> Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. Well, 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 Andy. It has been quite a few days here in New York. <laughs> it went from kite-flying weather to kite-losing weather. Pretty f- <laughs> fast and pretty fucking <laughs> windily. Uh, on Sunday night, Hurricane Sandy blew into town, blew through town, and in doing so blew parts of town over all the way uh, uh, through the night and into Monday, and everyone here has been dealing with the fucking <laughs> mess ever since. There's still no functioning subway and no power to lots of the city, but Paul and I... We're not going to let that stop us doing the bugle, Andy. If we had to power this studio by rigging up a generator to two bicycles, we would pedal our way to power like a drugged-up Lance Armstrong. Or, to give him his accurate name, a regular Lance Armstrong. <laughs> Boom, Andy! I'm just seeing the shit out of a weather front and a disgraced junkie cyclist. It's going to take more than some fast-moving air to keep me down. So, what's going to happen, Andy, is that in this... Bizarrely powered studio Considering we are slap bang In the middle of the blackout zone We're going to take some of the scarce supply Of electricity in New York Over the next 40 minutes And we're going to waste the living (laughs) shit out of it Like we've wasted power 212 times previously It's what Benjamin Franklin would have wanted
0: Uh, Well you're a hero John You're a hero and uh, and an inspiration That's a a fact to everyone. Have you... um... Have you got bar mitzvahed since the storm
1: or not? <laughs> they can't even bar mitzvah people, Andy. Really? Cause... And that is when you know things are in trouble.
0: Because well, Even when they... though
1: you you know about the Jews and candlelight, you love it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but uh, when we had the great uh, the great storm of 87 in the south of England, uh, the very next day I got bar mitzvahed. So I was just wondering if, had, if it was more to do with the storm or more to do with... My date of birth and the Jewish calendar, I, and me turning. I think it was 13. probably a bit of both, but more of the second right. than the first. Yeah. So you haven't you haven't accidentally got bombits for as far as you know. Mm-mm. Okay. No. Well, just keep an eye out for it. You know, if any dodgy looking rabbis just approach you in the street, waving a book in your face, just you know,
1: they just might be up to something. That's all I'm saying. John. They ha- there have been kind of marauding bands of rabbis going around on <laughs> cycles and just tackling people to the floor. Maybe that's what's been yeah. happening. <laughs>
0: I do think maybe, with hindsight, actually, that um, that storm of '87 could have been the Almighty Lord trying to stop me from getting Bar Mitzvahed <laughs> and debasing his entire <laughs> existence. Well, <laughs> so this is the bugle for the week beginning Monday, the fifth of November, meaning it is now 140 years to the day since Susan B. Anthony voted in the 1872 U.S. presidential election and was later arrested for the three crimes of voting whilst in possession of a womb, being democratic under the influence of oestrogen, and entering a polling station carrying concealed breasts. Anthony was banged to rights on all three and fined $100 and told to run along and be a good girl in future and maybe concentrate on baking or knitting, instead of selfishly trying to enfranchise half of the adult population. Also, uh, 407 years since Guido Fork's tried to blow up parliaments and the King in London, and that man needed to take a chill pill and he was given a chill pill in the form of being hung, drawn and courted. And we <laughs> sacredly... Arguably, that is too chilled. Uh, and We sacredly commemorate the failed gunpowder plot and its attempt to destroy Parliament by annually putting on public shows of what democracy is all about, needlessly wasting public money, making things go bang and making people go ooh. As always, a section of the Bugle is going straight in the bin this week. A review of Halloween 2012, which has rated 5.8 out of 10 on the Interva- international festival rating scale. Disappointing, that's the worst... Halloween for six years globally. So where did it all go wrong for Halloween 2012? Has trick-or-treating had its day? Has it become tactically too predictable? Kids turn up, mumble trick-or-treat, give them a bit of chocolate whilst vibing them to f*** right off for another year. Neither side really prepared to gamble. Very few homeowners take the trick play. Probably a wise move in most urban areas these days, but it does make it a bit dull. Very few trick-or-treaters, on the other hand, prepared to say, do not palm me off with your out-of-date chocolate Santa Clauses. I did not invest £5.99 in a skeleton outfit for this. Give me f***ing Palmer ham, or I'm torching your <laughs> fucking car. It's Halloween, so it's technically legal. And they've got a point. It is is what Jesus, of course, did on the first Halloween, according to the Gospel according to St Nigel, when, as a 15-year-old trying out a new miracle, he accidentally turned his friend Isaac's head into a pumpkin.
1: Top story this week. F*** you, Chicago. You just lost the title of Windy City. (laughs) Yes, we are leading with... Hurricane Sandy this week, partly because that blustery bastard very nearly meant that we couldn't do a bugle at all today. (laughs) Uh, Hurricane Sandy is, of course, a slightly strange name for a hurricane. It brings to mind the character of Sandy in Greece, played by Olivia Newton-John, and it only really would have been fitting if Olivia Newton-John had spent that entire movie flipping over cars, pissing on people's carpets and punching John Travolta in the face. Have you not seen the DVD extras? Well, then it would have seemed eerily appropriate. It it has been a while since I've seen Greece, but I I think she only actually does two of those. (laughs) Point is, the the build-up to the hurricane striking was uh, actually pretty impressive. Most of the vulnerable areas were evacuated, even here in the city, and people hunkered down safely and responsibly. I wasn't sure whether people would fully respond to the warnings. And part of me was expecting to see crowds of New Yorkers standing on the beach on Long Island, facing the ocean, grabbing their nuts and screaming, I got your hurricane response right here, buddy! Get the f*** out of here!
0: (laughs) And that didn't happen that much?
1: (laughs) It did, well, not that I saw, Andy, but I'm not going to say it didn't happen. It probably did happen, (laughs) but not in the numbers that I was expecting it to. Uh, There was one magnificent moment of lunacy in the build-up, not only uh, just for the city of New York, but for the country of America. I was watching the local news just before the hurricane hit as yet another reporter stood pointlessly close to New York Harbour, illustrating (laughs) nothing other than their ability to be proximate to a body of water, when something truly wonderful happened. (laughs) Just over this reporter's right shoulder, suddenly entering the frame, A man on a jet ski started jumping (laughs) waves and zooming around New York Harbour. That's right, Andy. A man man was watching the news, witnessing countless reports predicting the coming of the most dangerous storm on record in New York, and thought to himself, oh, my God, that looks terrible. This is truly an emergency. You know what? Reacting quickly is always critical in these situations, (laughs) so... I'd better wax up my jet ski and get out there because I don't want to be the only New Yorker not jet skiing around the harbour when the hurricane strikes. And I will say, Andy, credit to the cameraman at this point because he did not hesitate to pan immediately away from the wet journalist he was inexplicably supposed to be filming. And instead, he followed the jet skier all over the harbour as he attempted to jump off the highest wave he could find. It
0: wasn't
1: wasn't clear exactly what the long-term aim of this escapade was, but at one point I was wondering whether he was actually going to try and jump off a wave and high-five the Statue of Liberty. (laughs) That seemed like the only logical end point of what he was doing. I just don't know why you would jet ski around New York Harbor as a hurricane blew in, unless you were going to at least try to high-five the Statue of (laughs) Liberty. You're either all in, or you're all out. And I was watching this, and I realised that although this storm may cause significant damage and suffering, fundamentally everything was going to be okay. (laughs) Does that mean, John is that is that more american than hitting
0: baseballs off a warship into a crowd of jet skis?
1: Not quite Andy, no. but you know you can't compare it with that. That's like, you know, comparing <laughs> a pecan pie with an apple pie. They're both american, but one is a lot more american.
0: <laughs> Cuz I mean it's, it's a great show of defiance, isn't it? That America America will not be will not bow the knee to uh, no.
1: to weather. They will not take a knee to a hurricane. No. <laughs> no, they won't. They won't. And they will get on jet skis when The police, the Coast Guard, the mayor and the president would all expressly advise against it. That's not the point. That's almost just egging on people to get on jet skis. That's That's how they take that advice. Uh,
0: America also responded to nature's threat heroically uh, through the Philadelphia 76ers basketball team uh, who this weekend uh, have unveiled the world's biggest ever T-shirt cannon. Yes. Which, I mean, to me, that I mean, that timing can't be coincidence, Sean. They just must have been mm-hmm. waiting for a moment when America needed some reassurance about itself. And they have unveiled the ultimate American combination of military firepower and free T-shirts.
1: A <laughs> hundred T-shirts in 60 seconds, Andy. <laughs> just th- think that through and then yearn for the day that you see it. The only problem is now there's probably going to be an arms race across the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> Teams desperately try and outdo each other. Is that a bad thing, John? And for all you—no, <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> for
0: all you pacifists out there, you know, would the technology for this hundred t-shirts in sixty seconds t-shirt mm-hmm. cannon exist had the human race not spent so much of the last hundred years working out more and more mechanized way of sla- ways of slaughtering each other? I don't think so, John.
1: I think <laughs> that is shock. Could... The Chicago Bulls are coming up with a T-shirt bazooka, just as a deterrent. They don't want to ever have to use it. We're very much in a recovery mode uh, here at the moment in the city. As I say, lots of New York is still without power, and downtown Manhattan is a very strange place to be. It is creepily dark and creepily quiet, which is especially creepy because it's literally never either of those down there. Um, it's very hard to get around. The subway has been down all week, and yesterday there were some emergency car restrictions after Wednesday saw the kind of gridlock traffic that you would only normally see in an REM video. But did Michael Stipe suddenly jump out of a cab and start walking over the roofs of the cars and singing angelically, Did he f*** Andy? Instead, it was just a symphony of honking and swearing, which at least showed that the city was in some way getting back to normal. So the rule yesterday was that no car would be allowed to drive into Manhattan unless it contained at least three people, which meant the people needed to find two other people to use the bridges or tunnels, which meant that they were going to have to offer lifts to their neighbours, which meant they were going to have to introduce themselves to their (laughs) neighbours, something which many New Yorkers have been putting off for decades. (laughs) Either that, or they were going to have to come up with another scheme, you know, get a couple of blow-up dolls, rent a couple of prostitutes to drive in, curb your enthusiasm style, or pick up hitchhikers, none of which seemed like a particularly attractive idea. (laughs) Uh, But I was surprised that people didn't see this as a huge opportunity and stand at the entrance to the bridge with a sign saying, passenger for hire, $20 to drive me across the bridge before jumping into the car, driving across, then walking back across the bridge <laughs> and jumping into another car. They could have made thousands, Andy.
0: Uh, how did you get, uh, get to the recording? Or did you get a, like, a piggyback from one of the
1: Comedy I, w- I walked, mo- interns? I, walked m- <laughs> I walked most of the way, Andy, right. and then I did get the <laughs> intern piggybacks, which I'm entitled to, Andy. <laughs> because they're getting experience of what it's like to work in television. <laughs> now uh... which is emotionally <laughs> carrying people around on piggyback. <laughs> there was actually a lot of talk Andy about why this has happened, you know, was it climate change? Was it an angry god smiting down New York for being a den of iniquity? Was it the gays' fault? You know, they often <laughs> seem to get blamed for natural disasters by people who don't have any scientific pedigree but do have absolute confidence. <laughs> well, I mean, or, there's,
0: there's a point, there's, you know, that kind of chaos theory, you know, the butterfly flapping its whim, wing could cause, you know, an earthquake or whatever. <laughs> is, similarly, you know, I mean, we all know that the gays, as a species, mm-hmm. like to dance. So, I mean, it's possible that the vigorous gay dancing in New York did cause
1: Hurricane Sandy. I'm it
0: not a possible. scientist,
1: but, I mean, we cannot rule that out, John. It's possible. It's not probable, but it is possible. <laughs> Andy, uh, some people have argued that this hurricane has somehow been engineered by highly paid Obama campaign operatives <laughs> to make him look good and give him a two-point boost in the polls. Uh, the federal government has actually responded extremely well to this crisis, uh, and uh, eight out of ten people have uh, apparently given the president a good or an excellent rating for his handling uh, handling of the emergency. Uh, Romney has the problem that during the primary debates he'd spoken out against FEMA, the uh, Federal Emergency Management Agency, in one of his signature moments of shallow, mindless populism. <laughs> a statement he was sure to get away with, as long as a major hurricane did not slam into a major American city between then and the election, providing a violent illustration of the flaw in the argument for aggressively streamlined government. As long as that didn't happen, he was going to be fine. Uh, both candidates suspended their campaigns, uh, this week, leading some to wonder whether the hurricane was in fact an act of God. Who <laughs> also, become so sick of the unremitting cynicism of this campaign that he decided to pull a micro Noah to give himself <laughs> a forty-eight hour break from the incessant political posturing.
0: I think uh, it seems that America soon seems, seems to have come together slightly more harmoniously than usual. Maybe, maybe if nature could schedule in one. Major catastrophe a month. I think America as a nation would be much happier and more
1: cohesive. Well, that's the, you're not alone in thinking that because they both went out on the campaign trail again yesterday and the president argued that, and as I quote, when disaster strikes, we see America at its best. What? By candlelight? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, he took like a George to DeLator picture. <laughs> he, he then went on to say, all the petty differences that consume us in normal times all seem to melt away. There are no Democrats or Republicans during a storm, just fellow Americans. And is he trying to make people nostalgic for the time that they were being battered by 110 mile an hour winds? Because <laughs> that is how bad presidential campaigns are now. It's almost preferable to have your house destroyed by flood water than to endure one more election cycle.
0: Well, It's, I mean, it's been quite fascinating watching this. You know, he's had big raps, even from uh, some pretty hardcore opponents, including... Uh, Prominently, Chris Christie, the Republican who's not been generally his biggest fan, I think it's fair to say. A a rare display of bipartisan political manners, and particularly around a country that politically is generally more polarised than a bear that has been covered head to toe in meringues. (laughs) I don't don't know if that works comedically, but the image is a strong one. It's meaningless. (laughs) It's meaningless, but it's strong. But it does seem that America only learns to behave itself with itself (laughs) when something terrible is happening to it, particularly if that terrible thing is happening in a predominantly white area. That does seem to make things move more smoothly. it
1: really helps. (laughs) It really helps people care here, Andy.
0: And uh, a Republican Uh, uh, complimenting a Democratic president. I mean, politics being politics, people didn't think, oh, that's nice, this is obviously a non-partisan issue. That's a healthy sign of a grown-up democracy. They instantly thought... What the f*** is this guy up to? He is plotting something. I think he started the campaign for his grandson to run for president in 2056. And also, politics being politics, they are probably right.
1: (laughs) Now, you might look at the hurricane and the devastation and tragedies that it's left in its wake and think, there is absolutely nothing positive about this. But of course you'd be wrong, because... If you are, say, an investment author and (laughs) therefore have had your soul surgically removed years ago, then you don't see a crisis, Andy. You see a (laughs) (laughs) Unity. Author. We have another word for the bugle lexicon, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. Author Larry Oxley gave tips uh, this week on how to trade the so-called Frankenstorm to make money, saying, ''It's almost hilarious.'' But the beauty of extreme weather investing is that you don't necessarily have to be ahead of the event. You can just play the opportunity as it unfolds. (laughs) You're right, Larry. It is almost hilarious. (laughs) And you should point that out to the families of the 90 people who've died. Their almost hilarious deaths will be made somehow less tragic with the news that you managed to personally profit from their deaths somehow. (laughs) And, And you're also right in a way, Andy, you can... Play the opportunity as it unfolds. You can technically do that, but should you, Larry? Should that be the first thought in your diseased mind as a humanitarian <laughs> crisis unfolds, to see, let's say, a monsoon barreling towards Haiti and saying to yourself, let's hope that thing picks up steam. Come on, mass casualties, Larry needs a new speedboat. <laughs> Sorry, did I say needs a new speedboat? I meant to say Larry wants a new speedboat. <laughs> We said it's almost hilarious. I guess, you know, you can see natural
0: disasters as nature's extreme slapstick. Um, But he's got a point, John. There's there's a problem with disasters like plane crashes. They happen so fast, you just don't have a chance to play the markets on them. That's why, you know, a hostage scenario is so much more preferable. It's got time to unfold. And you can really financially save the unfolding human tragedy. Now, of course, on your natural disasters, your earthquakes, your volcanoes, your tsunamis, they're a bit in between. You know, there's no advance warning, but you can then work the markets based on the gradual revelation of the scale of devastation they've imparted, which is why weather events uh, are so superb and famines even better. Awesome trading opportunities. Um, You know, for those do-gooders who want an end to global hunger, if we just learn to play the markets right, famine in Africa could solve all the Western world's financial market problems. And then we can invest it back in Africa to stop it happening again. And also, you can lay it all long-term against an increase in anti-Western resentment-fueled terrorism. So, financially, it is a win-win scenario, John. And then, of course, you've got things like whether the pharmaceutical sector will develop a cure for malaria. That's a tough gamble, that one. Probably safest to continue back in the coffin trade for now, but start hedging it in a couple of years. If comedy equals tragedy plus time, albeit not that much time these days on the internet, uh, then tragedy plus time also equals book deal. And tragedy plus time plus more time equals belated full government inquiry. Then tragedy plus ethical vacuum equals investment opportunity.
1: Yeah, he he explained uh, his theory, saying that he uh, pointing out that he likened extreme weather investing to an explosion, explaining that the latter needs a fuel source, oxygen and an ignition, and the former needs a weather event, a high concentration of commodities that can be affected, and corresponding financial instruments. Apparently... He made a lot of money during Hurricane Katrina, and uh, he said natural gas was a famous hurricane play when Katrina blasted (laughs) the Gulf of Mexico. Refineries were damaged in the storm, diminishing gas supplies, increasing prices, and causing the stocks of companies like Chesapeake Energy and Southwest Gas to rise. Well, after saying all of that, Larry, um, you may have another prediction opportunity here because you you may want to invest in any companies that make bleeping machines. (laughs) Because I'm about to tell you... Barry, that you are a fisted cock blaster who deserves a Category 5 f storm right up your weaselly f**king behind.
0: <laughs> I would money start, to be made, Andy. Yeah, money to be made. Money to be
1: made. I would, but, I
0: mean, I guess you could respond to those who claim that this kind of investment and in behaviour is ethically questionable. I guess you can reply by saying, one, who won the f**king Cold War? Suck it up, commies. <laughs> and two... <laughs> All ethical questions, John, are multiple choice. That is, that is the nature of ethics.
1: Amidst all the uh, difficulties, there have been some weird sights in New York all week. The restaurants that have opened uh, have been serving and cooking by candlelight. Also, there's been a Mad Max-style crush to find any working outlet to charge your phone. Uptown and downtown have been like North Korea and South Korea. One is in almost complete darkness with people trying to slip across the border to the other one to <laughs> use some of the mystical sweet electricity juice.
0: And, <laughs> and the, and the people on the other side are slightly jealous of the water
1: slides. <laughs> <laughs> as a, that's true. It works in so many ways. As a consequence, one of the most surprisingly strange things to witness is that I've actually seen a lot of people using payphones in New York all week. It's been like living in a 1980s Martin Scorsese movie. <laughs> hey, tell Luigi to drop the package down at the South Street Seaport, or I'm going to introduce a Louisville slugger up his ears! <laughs> you usually another audition. You just, you just present. <laughs> Usually you just, that's Scorsese Smurf, summer 2013. Usually you just presume that the people using payphones are either murderers or drug dealers or drug-dealing murderers. And it is so strange to overhear conversations when you walk past payphones in the city that don't involve ransom notes or arrangements for disposing of bodies. (laughs) The only thing approaching the ballsiness of hurricane jet skiing that I witnessed was the fact that on my block, about three hours... Before the hurricane was scheduled to hit, I was looking out of my window at the street and I saw a moving truck pull up. I went outside, unable to believe what might actually be about to happen, and out climbed three crazy Russian men who had somehow decided they were going to keep their appointment to do a full apartment move. I don't know who was crazier, Andy, them or the people who were moving house, except... I do know who was crazier, and it was the crazy fucking Russian man. <laughs> I went downstairs, and I said to them, are you sure that this is a good idea? To which they said, yeah, he's no problem for us. He's a good day to move. Road's very clear. And I said, yeah, you know why that they're clear? Don't There's a Category 1 hurricane about 50 miles away, and it's going to blow everything over. At this point, they'd already walked past me and were carrying entire chests of drawers out of the house. On their shoulders. Although I did want to say to the people who were moving out, great idea not cancelling your move today. That's a beautiful wardrobe, by the way, and it's going to look stunning in about 45 minutes when it's embedded in that shop window. <laughs> but the best part of all of this was that a moving company was, uh, was called, and I promise it's true, Wizard of Oz Moving. <laughs> That's right. The Wizard of Oz Moving Company. were going to try and move a house during a hurricane. <laughs> I was fully expecting to walk out afterwards and see a pair of brightly coloured witches' legs sticking out from under an apartment building, with Munchkins singing their way all around the block. So, uh, how much do you think it will have affected
0: the uh, the election on Tuesday, John? Because it's, uh, it's looking pretty uh, uh, close to calls, isn't it?
1: Probably not at all. Right. Um, yeah i think it's going to be a squeaker this election <laughs> either way i don't think i think it's going to take more than and you know a national crisis and a weather event to change the fact that, it, it, that even a hurricane is not going to help undecided voters for some reason <laughs> fucking decide <laughs> and also i guess the nature of american politics
0: is such that you know obama could of course the election is looking tighter than some close-fitting waist to toe legwear that never buys its round even when it's obviously it's turn it's tougher to call than a dead hermit with no phone in a cave that's been fitted with a signal blocker and only gets one bar at the best of times anyway. And it's closer than being pinned up against a wall at the end of a cul-de-sac by Mariano Rivera wielding a copy of a French celebrity magazine with topless pictures of princesses in it right in your face and telling you his last <laughs> joke before saying, that's it from me, you've been a great crowd, I'm Mariano Rivera. <laughs> there you go, a little baseball joke in there for our non-American listeners.
1: Some of her. Uh... Some of the hardest-hit areas here were uh, in Breezy Point, New York, or f***ing Breezy Point, as it's now (laughs) going to be legally named, and uh, New Jersey, where Atlantic City was absolutely battered with piers, boardwalks and roller coasters being crushed, dismantled and dumped into the sea. And I couldn't help thinking how confusing it would have been if someone in one of the windowless casinos on the boardwalk of Atlantic City had gone on a bender for a few days, drinking and gambling, only to step outside for a breath of fresh air at one point... Witness all of that and found themselves saying, Oh shit, what the f just happened out here? How long have I been in there? <laughs>
0: Well, the east coast of America might have been hit by a literal storm, but we in Britain have been hit by a metaphorical storm of stories about pederastic, predatory alleged showbiz stars that have been indulged for decades, and a mega-squabble about the BBC not broadcasting a documentary about it, which has all overshadowed the real, far more important story that we in Britain have somehow ended up with a social culture in which hundreds of people felt unable to report the abuse, let alone legally pursue its perpetrators, until years after the events. This, in turn, stands alongside institutionalised police cover-ups, mass corporate tax aversion funded, in essence, by cuts (laughs) to disability, benefits because a they can do it and b they're encouraged to do it plus political expenses scams right through parliament swathes of the media not merely plumbing the depths but installing in those depths a fully fitted moral bathroom with a walk-in rainfall shower and an automatic (laughs) r sensing bidet all suggesting that britain has not only been taking a volcanic mud bath and a swamp of skewed morality with itself but it's also been turning an institutional blind eye to all manner of people getting away with what they can get away with in whatever field they're trying to get away with it and whilst doing that our institutional seeing eye has been winking knowingly at the people who are doing the getting away with stuff saying don't mind us knock yourselves out. Still greatest country in the world John <laughs> the Prime Minister said so two weeks ago at his conference and he knows more about Britain than I do and also we did really well in the Olympic Paralympics so it's no big deal. It's not- What was the question? Cappuccino please and I don't want the milk froth by machine <laughs> it's the 21st century. I want it organic natural as nature intended. I want the cow heated up in a sauna. I want it put on a rodeo simulator to froth it up and then I want you to squeeze its whap straight into my mouth cup sorry cup Go, Team GB.
1: (laughs) Berlusconi news now. And Andy, everyone knows that Silvio Berlusconi, ex Prime Minister, fully qualified horn dog, and inspiration for the tremendous horse named Silvio (laughs) Berlusconi, everyone knows that he is a committed career criminal.
0: (laughs) Everyone that is.
1: Everyone, that is, except the Italian legal system. Because he has managed his entire life to somehow walk away from an avalanche of legal cases like a world class justice escapologist. He's become a High Court Houdini, Andy, who never reveals his legal tricks, even though most audience members correctly assume that they involve some combination of mirrors and bribery. <laughs> and this makes it all the more incredible that Berlusconi was this week sentenced to a jail term for. Tax fraud, which is a bit like getting Al Capone on tax evasion. It's not, it's not that he's not guilty of it. It's just that he's guilty of so much more besides that. Now, in this particular case, which is just one course in a tasting menu of criminal charges against Berlusconi, he was accused of taking part of the money declared for the purchase of some U.S. film rights and then skimming it off to create illegal slush funds, reducing tax liabilities for his media set group. And the court actually gave him a longer sentence than the three years and eight months that prosecutors had demanded. However, it later reduced that sentence to just one year due to a 2006 amnesty law aimed at reducing prison overcrowding. Oh, who was involved in passing (laughs) that law back then, I wonder, Andy? And was it designed to reduce one particular person from overcrowding any prisons? (laughs)
0: But this is—it's well, a... not just him that'll be overcrowding it, John. It's the twenty teenage <laughs> girls who would be overcrowding it with him. <laughs> this is a real blow on, on some he kind looked... of medical prescription. He's got to have them.
1: He's got his human <laughs> rights, John. Think of his—think of his legal team, Andy. they—they were on a, 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 an improbable run of victories, <laughs> the kind of improbable run that the Harlem Globetrotters went on over the Washington Generals, It's almost <laughs> as if one side was being paid to not try that hard. <laughs> And uh, his legal team said that they'd successfully defended him for 13 years, during which time he's actually been convicted multiple times of illegal party financing, corruption, bribery and false accounting. Although in each case, he's either won on appeal or avoided a jail sentence. In other cases, he's either been acquitted or time has run out on the trial under Italy's statute of limitations. And in all that time, he's actually very rarely bothered to turn up to court to defend himself. Uh, He's either queried the legitimacy of the court proceedings or the motives of the jury, or he's passed immunity laws. But one of my favourite details from all these new developments with Berlusconi is that since he's been out of office uh, and his self-constructive protection from prosecution has been revoked, he has graciously pledged that he would set Mondays aside for court appearances. (laughs) Don't do the Italian justice system any favour, Silvio. How generous of you to bless them with one day out of your hectic week banging your way around the world. (laughs) And that just goes to show how routine being accused of crimes has become for him now, Andy. He commits to court appearances with the same regularity that people pledge to use their gym membership. (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll go Mondays, definitely. I will put them aside. I know that I'll feel better about myself if I go. He's also been banned... From holding political office for five years. And he has not taken that news very well at all. He gave an interview to one of the TV channels he owns this week and said, This is a political, incredible, and intolerable judgment. And where it, it, it's actually just the last of those words. And he went <laughs> on to say, There will be consequences. I feel obliged to stay in politics. Yeah, no wonder he feels obliged, Dandy. It's the only thing that is keeping him out of prison. <laughs> He gets immunity if he's in office. That should be his next campaign slogan. Vote for Silvio. I don't want to go to jail. (laughs) if he somehow manages to wangle his way out of this jail term, there may be another on the horizon anyway, because his next few Mondays are also going to be taken up with a current trial in which he's charged for paying sex with an underage girl and trying to cover it up. He's about to hate Mondays more than Garfield, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) Feature section now, and Daredevils! And, Andy, you know, we've been trailing this for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, you know, there was the hurricane jet skier this week. There have been some sensational news involving Daredevils recently, or to give them you know, their technical names, Magnificent Lunatics. <laughs> uh, first, a few weeks ago, there was, of course, a space jump. Uh, Felix Baumgartner rode up in a balloon to the edge of space and then stepped off a platform 24 miles up in the air and hurtled back down to Earth. Now, the one thing I think Felix really missed out on Andy was not saying anything just before he jumped. (laughs) Because he saluted, but he really missed his Neil Armstrong moment. (laughs) He could have gone with, holy shit, this is high, or, "Ah, actually, forget it, can you bring me back down? (laughs) Or, Baumgartner away! Or, I think the most appropriate, there is absolutely no point in this! (laughs) Well, I was very
0: disappointed that he did just go, "Wee." (laughs) or even Geronimo or even I can see
1: my planet from here. Um, Baumgartner is an Austrian man, Andy, which I personally found slightly disappointing (laughs) because this really feels like something that an American should have done. This is my adopted homeland, Andy, and I really feel like if someone is going to do something this magnificently misguided, this heroically stupid, this discernibly inexplicable, this tremendously pointless, then it should be an American. And also... Nice try, Austria, but you're still most famous for Hitler, Okay, (laughs) It's going to take a lot more than riding a balloon to the edge of space and jumping down to make all of us forget that little f that you brought into the world.
0: Uh, It makes some uh, slightly ludicrous claims about it all being very important scientific research. And I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, one where we've learnt a lot about what, you know, what to do if you ever find yourself stuck floating in a balloon 100,000 feet in the air with high-tech equipment, a pressurised body suit and an oxygen supply. I mean, we, we all know now what to do in th- that situation. I just wish he hadn't even pretended it was for science, John. As you say, he is a magnificently ludicrous man. He should have called it as it was and said, yeah. I'm just doing this for the fucking <laughs> hell of it. That is a far <laughs> more noble heroic pursuit, John. Did Roald Amundsen get his piggyback ride to the South Pole for science? No, he did it because A, the South Pole was there and B, he thought he might meet some hot chicks down there and C, he wanted to see the look on Captain Scott's face when he turned up a few weeks later to find the Norwegian flag urinated in the snow and a message saying, chilly down here, isn't it? Did Neil Armstrong, John, leg it to the moon for science? No, it was for Cold War politics. That is a far more noble goal. (laughs) If Neil Armstrong hadn't built and flown that space rocket, we would all be speaking Soviet by now. And he also did it to see the look on Buzz Aldrin's face when he elbowed him in the ribs and jumped out of the rocket first.
1: (laughs) Apparently, throughout the stunt, Bob Gartner was in contact via an earpiece with Joe Kittinger. He's an 84-year-old American mentor and the previous holder of the highest altitude manned balloon flight. And I'm guessing that Joe was a little less impressed because he jumped from 102,000 feet in 1960, essentially in his pyjamas, Andy, <laughs> standing on the platform, finishing his cigarette, flicking it into space, shouting down to his wife to have dinner on the table and then diving back down to earth. <laughs> Just before uh, Baumgartner jumped, you could hear Michel Cantrol, uh say, Guardian Angels will take care of you. Now, if I'd been up there, Andy... That would have annoyed me. My <laughs> response would have been, uh, "Really?" Because I was under the distinct impression that you would be taking care of me. <laughs> you and science. <laughs> I spoke to him on the uh, phone he... today. Did you spoke to him on the telephone?
0: Did you really? Yeah. What was the, uh, he? Did was... he call you,
1: or did you call him? He called us. <laughs> he called me on another job I was doing. I was trying to give him a girl's phone number, but <laughs> he, w- he wasn't having any of it. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. Why did someone did someone you know well, say wait. I want to go out with that? Yeah, yeah. Man. Exactly. She 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 wanted she wanted a date with him, but he, really? he was insisting he was a family man.
0: Right. Well he's gotta be worth oh. a pot for a life insurance payout, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. he, said, <laughs> he said though, he said his next he wants he's gonna give up jumping out of space and become a helicopter pilot.
1: Which mm-hmm.
0: that's a bit dull, doesn't it? That's a bit I wanna see if yeah. he can double up, John and, and fire himself up to ground level from 24 miles below the Earth's surface. (laughs) (laughs) Now that might not have the same visual impact as a downward jump from way above the Earth as he clambers upwards through layers of rock, chiselling his way past fossilised dino donkeys, secret CIA laboratories, the special underground pod where Elvis, Bin Laden, JFK and the Queen Mother all live together in the greatest reality sitcom ever. But it would be a far more scientific benefit than jumping out of space, because we're far more likely to need to live underground than a hunt 24 miles above the surface
1: of the (laughs) Earth. (laughs) Uh, Felix Baumgartner was not alone in his dedication to The Ridiculous recently. Uh, A Chinese tightrope walker, Adil Hushur um, uh, set a new world record for walking across a 1,400-metre-long wire at uh, 1,148 feet above the Dayhang Canyon with absolutely no safety nets. Um, the Isai Bridge uh, is apparently the sixth highest and 12th longest suspension bridge in the world. Well, you know, I'm about as 12th as impressed then, Andy. Because <laughs> yeah, you have to do it over the highest or the longest Otherwise, it just doesn't sound as impressive. <laughs> That's like saying, I climbed the 34th highest mountain in the world. It's the and Madata. It's actually over 25,000 feet. That's still objectively impressive, but 12th just sounds terrible. <laughs> Another aerial stuntman, Nick Wallander, uh, has said mm-hmm. that he's planning a
0: tightrope walk uh, at the Grand Canyon, but that he won't be wearing a safety harness like he used when he crossed the Niagara Falls. And uh, I don't know, is this scientific research as well, to find out whether walking across a canyon can cure malaria. And I guess, uh, you know, it's bound to be politicised, these things always are, these these public stunts. Maybe it'll be seen by some as a metaphor for the welfare state. How a safety harness only encourages people to fall off tightropes. Better that they don't have that fallback, and then live in fear of disaster, desperately trying to balance their lives in an almost impossible manner. So I think he's letting himself become a political pawn. When I saw him walking across the Niagara Falls with a harness earlier this year, all I could think was Ah, what a loser. Can't take getting swept to a certain death off a waterfall. (coughs) Want your mummy to hold your hand while you cross that little boy? Scared of a little bit of water and gravity? I hope I never have to share a post-stunt shower with you, Captain Nobles.
1: (coughs) (laughs) No date or exact location has been announced for his uh, Grand Canyon uh, walk, but apparently he's in negotiation with two... Uh, American Indian tribes whose reservations border the Grand Canyon National Park, and you know, I'm sure that their ancestors years ago once sat looking at the Grand Canyon, Andy, saying, "One day, some crazy white man is going to try and walk over that on a wire. <laughs> why will why will he do that? No reason <laughs> to reach enlightenment. No, <laughs> to feel more at one with nature. Nope." Just because it would be awesome? Yes, because it would be awesome. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I can't wait until someone is stupid enough to do that.
0: And I think it's—I think you're right about that, John. I think that makes both of our careers even more
1: heroic. <laughs> Your emails now, and uh, we have an email here from Jessica saying, Dear gentlemen who are no longer allowed in Scotland... Your most recent blast of bullshit from across the pond gave the fair state of Ohio a good what for concerning our cosmic voting power. I'll tell you something. Monsieur Zaltzman and Oliver, as an Ohioan, I take my role as one of the 16 million people who choose America's president very seriously. We changed our state motto to We elect your president for a reason. We've been the home of eight presidents. Ignoring Virginia's eight commanders in chief, that state left the Union, which obviously negates all previous achievements. <laughs> That's a fair point. Uh, Harding's death in office ended the glorious era of Ohio presidents and we reluctantly relinquished our ironclad rights to raise presidents. But in the 90s, unable to let go of our untold power, we organised a dark cabal that would allow us to elect the president through black magic using the mysterious Electoral College. Shh, it's a secret. She goes on to say, In between raising and electing presidents, we were also the birthplace of all the aviators and astronauts in the 20th century, but someone decided they didn't want us electing the president of the moon too, so they hastily killed the space programme, thus delaying our total domination of the solar system. To sum up, Ohio runs this shit. With little (laughs) to no sincerity, Jessica Boggs. I, I will say... Uh, Jessica, that I think Ohio runs this shit would be a fair thing to have as a state motto. Because <laughs> you can legally back that up. But you'd have to put Ohio runs this shit and in brackets for no reason that anyone can explain to me. This email came in from James
0: Clark, who writes, Dear John and Andy, I live in a ten-bedroom Georgian house in the countryside. I tend to vote Conservative. I was at one of the six great English public schools. I work <laughs> in the city. I also love the Bugle. I've enjoyed it since discovering it around Bugle 165. I make that roughly 33.5 hours of free, top-grade, life-affirming bullshit so far. Thanks very much, James. I'm willing to let you know that I shall not be making a voluntary payment for forthcoming bugles. Instead, <laughs> I intend to continue to yes. download and enjoy your efforts for free. Oh, God. Why am I telling you all this? Simply because I'm paying you instead by confirming all your prejudices about wealthy Tory public school educated bankers. Well, well, mission accomplished. <laughs> I think we all know the warm inner glow of being told you're right is worth more than money. It's certainly worth more than any amount of money I might
1: otherwise have given you. Yours faithfully, James <laughs> Clark. You are mistaking that warming warm <laughs> inner glow for a burning fire of anger. <laughs> so, well, thanks. It's the thought that counts, though. And at least he's thought, No, it isn't. Thought, oh, no, <laughs> no. No, you're quite right. Inbred golf playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, should be the Berkshire County motto. <laughs> <laughs> I think that
0: wasn't that the name of a, a dog that won Crofts a couple of years ago. <laughs> 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 So well either you can side with James or you can help keep this podcast going at the buglepodcast.com. Uh, and don't forget you can see our SoundCloud page as well, soundcloud.com slash the hyphen bugle. I've got I've got that tattooed on my soul now. <laughs> And do keep your emails coming in to info at buglepodcast.com. Sport now, and Lance Armstrong's seven Tour de France titles are to be reallocated. The UCI announced that uh, some of the titles will be given to the next highest-ranked cyclist, known for sure 100% to have been clean and free of drugs. Thus, the 1999 Tour has been awarded to then-seven-year-old Timmy Watkins, who used to do a paper (laughs) hand on his BMX in Milton Keynes whilst the 2001 tour has been jointly awarded as a gesture of peace and reconciliation to Yasser Arafat and Ariel Sharon, subject to blood tests coming back. Armstrong, who would first arouse suspicions by making cycling up mountains at about 120 miles an hour, or whatever he did, look as easy as picking out a hedgehog in a display of watermelons, could also be forced by his former sponsors to re-ride all the routes of his seven tainted tours wearing a pantomime goose outfit by way of apology. Well, that's all for this week's Bugle. That brings us to the end of the first four years of Obama. John, are there going to be another four years? And if <laughs> so, are, they, know, are they going to be the next four years or are they going to be I, in 20 I years' I don't time? live in
1: Ohio, Andy. You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> well, imagine
0: that you were living in Ohio, John.
1: Yeah. What well, would... that's the only the only poll, Andy, that is important, <laughs> is what do people in Ohio think they're going to vote? Or... What, how do you think you would vote if you lived in Ohio? Those are the only acceptable polls. Oh, isn't democracy
0: great? <laughs> Tune in next week where we will exclusively be the only world media outlet to reveal the results of the <laughs> presidential election on Tuesday. It's nearly over. That's the most important thing. <laughs> Stay strong, buglers. It's nearly f***ing over. And if you're in Ohio, buglers, don't do anything
1: stupid. Yes, I think you know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Bye! See you on the other side.